0: show i'm your host judy desigatis and i'm here with my faithful co-host father bill weary happy november father bill oh happy november beautiful fall weather it's been so wonderful outside how are you doing good yourself i'm good thank you and hello to all of our listeners welcome november Um, we want to thank joe Nebostinski for our technical assistance today as well as david Hillowitz for the theme music that he provides to us for the show um, well, I guess one of the big pieces of news is the Pope just returned back from Bahrain. Um, he was there for, I think, a couple of days. And um, this is a location, for uh, those of you that are geographically challenged like me, um, this is a small country located in the Persian Gulf, um, basically almost 100% Muslim, some, some Christians there. Um, so this was a trip that he took, which was a very good idea to try to uh, stem some more Uh, continuity between the different religions. Um, There was uh, quite a lot of people that attended and different things that he um, did while he was there. Just to give you an idea, there's a total population of 1.5 million people and about 161,000 Catholics, uh, many of whom are migrants from Asia, particularly the Philippines and India, according to a 2020 Vatican statistics. Um, And the theme, which was really nice, is peace on earth to people of goodwill, which is a nice Christmas theme as we're coming up uh, uh, Christmas. Actually, I should just correct myself. The population is more than 70% Muslim. I was saying 100%, but 70% Muslim, with the majority belonging to the Shiite branch of Islam, which is a country-state religion. Um, So uh, we had that visit. And um, Father, do you have anything to add about some of the things that went on there? Imagine being a Catholic
1: in Bahrain.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: Receiving the Pope, um, uh, you're probably be thinking, I never thought this would ever happen. And what a wonderful thing that the Pope would reach out to Catholic minorities in countries mm-hmm. such as that and bring that, that comfort and support and affirmation to them and, and to say Mass for them and um, to speak. Uh, that, is, uh, that is so commendable. That that is really the heart of a shepherd going out to, to do those sorts of things and how emboldened in a good sense the, the Catholics of Bahrain must be now. So and God bless them.
0: Yes, amen to that. And and as we know and we've seen some of the pictures over the last few days, you know, the Pope is challenged with his health, you know, being in the wheelchair and everything. So that's certainly a big uh, yeah. task for him to take on at his age and also with his, you know, uh, some little bit of disabilities that he has um, with illnesses that he's had. So, you know, even more uh, kudos to him for, for making that trip and uh, and doing that for uh, the Catholics that are there.
1: Absolutely.
0: So um, I do have a piece of good news I want to share. I always oh. like to start the news uh, in the news show with good news um, from LifeSight news. We have 10,000 abortions were prevented in the first two months after Roe v. Wade was overturned. So that was very exciting with some statistics here saying that if in the two months after the Supreme court decision, there were 10,570 fewer abortions as compared to the pre Dobbs estimates. Um, so that's very exciting news. Lessons like on those
1: Supreme court judges that voted for the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I, I can just think about how pleased God right. is uh, with them. And we see the results, as you just recounted, uh, that it really has had a very beneficial effect on the cause of life.
0: Right, right. So that, that is definitely some good news. And um, the other thing I wanted to share, too, uh, on another article that came up, and it's also a pro-life-related is a Michigan bishop writes to thousands of Catholics urging them to oppose a new abortion law. So as we know, it's great to hear the news of the 10,000 plus um, babies that have been saved, and that's always good news. But we know that part of that Roe v. Wade overturning was that the um, decisions now go to the states. And in Michigan, we have uh, definitely some uh, pro-abortion going on there. So we have uh, the Detroit's Archbishop Vigneron, I hope I'm saying his name right, Alan Vigneron. He oversees six counties of Catholics in the Archdiocese of Detroit. And what he did was he unexpectedly sent letters to each household registered as parishioners within the area. And the initiative stressed the importance of voting in the upcoming elections against the right to Reproductive Freedom Initiative, or Proposal 3, this is in Michigan, which is an extreme motion which would open the doors to abortion on demand. So I think, here you go, is a, a wonderful archbishop taking the bull by the horns and reaching out to his people, his And faithful. I think Mother
1: Teresa is saying, God calls us to be, <clears throat> not to be successful, but to be faithful, so that even if it is not successful, even if the bishop's Initiative is not successful, and the uh, the law goes through in favor of abortion. There will be those voices that will denigrate the the bishop and say, "Well, uh, oh, Catholics are not behind you, and uh, the you know the uh, people are not behind the Catholic Church uh, on this." And that that could happen. That could happen. But the bishop is doing the right thing, and and he's stepping out in faith, and taking the risk of failing.
0: Uh, in the eyes of the world. So I I also commend him for that courage. Yes, that's really good to see that there are shepherds, not only our main shepherd in in the Pope, but archbishops reaching out to their dioceses in situations like this. Um, because it's still going to be something that we're going to have to pray about. And um, at the moment that we're recording this, it's election day. So we will, uh, when you do hear this show on uh, when it does air, it will be after the elections. But um, I did want to mention something just because, again, reaching out, shepherds reaching out. I was at mass on Saturday night and we had a visiting priest and he's not he's well known to Holy Family Radio, Father Sam Dubois. And he said, uh, said one thing about voting. He said, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. He said, but I am going to say that, you know, please vote according to God's law. Amen. Amen. And it was a simple but very emphatic statement that just, I was like, great, not afraid to speak from the pulpit and just says it all. So uh, we hope that it will be positive with all of these reaching out that this will be something positive. Um, as a result of the, the elections today. I know that you do that, Father. You reach out a lot to your faithful.
1: Well, sure, um, I do. And that was a good way of putting it, I think, um, on the part of Father. And we, we have to examine our conscience before we step into that voting booth. We should pray. That's and right. And we should be asking God, what do you want me to do? Uh, how do you want me to vote? because I have to believe that God has an opinion on these things as well. And I prayed about it at Mass this morning during the intercessions mm-hmm. that the, the candidates most pleasing to God would be the ones voted in. And, uh, you know, God gives us free will. That is a basic tenet of the faith. We can vote as we wish. Right. And I'm sure there's so many things that happen in the world uh, that uh, over which God laments. And is 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 saddened and um, but he's patient with us and you know he tolerates uh, the, the sin and the violation of his will and the, uh, candidates who are voted in who should not get voted in but I, I just hope that you know life does prevail and that God's law is triumphant in this election.
0: yes, amen, amen. Um, a, a article that I also found on LifeSite News. This is something I never thought I would see, and it was so disturbing. Um, I did not listen to it because I couldn't. It was um, a recording of a murder. NPR plays an audio of an abortion on the air. Mm. Um, this is something I just never thought I would, you know, why did ever. They, why did they do that? What was the I, purpose of, of I, that? I guess... Uh, you know, I'm not in the heads of anyone who's pro-abortion because I'm pro-life. So I, I, I don't know what um, they I guess they that, felt so that
1: if that, that would serve our cause.
0: Yeah. Not theirs. so it might
1: be a, a problem, you know, an inadvertent providential thing. Right. People will be horrified by this.
0: Right. Yeah. I just I just couldn't listen to it. That was a personal decision. But I mean, I think part of, of what it is, is it could work um, for pro-life. And that's what I'm hoping. I think um, so. What they're showing here um, from what I can read in the article and what they described was going on other than the horrible things like you can hear the uh, vacuuming and the moaning of the patient and things like that is sort of a dialogue that goes on between the nurse and the doctors and the patient of, you know, you did great, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing, things like that, almost like a coach. So I don't know. I'm not in their heads, obviously, but I don't know if that's something that they thought, well, if someone heard it and see all the coaching that goes on and how easy it is to them, supposedly, um, we know it's murder, um, that they'll somehow, you know, want to have an abortion. But I think it, I thought the same thing. I thought, well, maybe, uh, you know, having this happen, it's awful, but it could could work the other way of saying, you know, who would want to listen to something like that? And could you imagine you know, going through something like that and actually witnessing the murder of an unborn child. It's like an audio silent scream. Do you mm-hmm. remember the silent scream? Yeah, yeah. When our
1: Nathan said, uh, arrange that uh, an ultrasound, I believe it was, of of an abortion. And you can see the child in the womb trying to get away from the suction device. That's right, that's and, right. Uh, the child moving. And uh, maybe this will work in the same way.
0: yeah. There was a movie a little while ago called Roe v. Wade, where they had an actor that portrayed Dr. Nathanson, and I think that the advent of that ultrasound really, when he saw that, realized what he was doing. I mean, years ago, in the beginning, when they didn't have that availability, um, this is something that uh, they were doing ultrasound guided, which they do in a lot of surgeries and, and things. But when he saw, you know, what was ac- he was actually doing to those sure. to those children, um, that was re- was very. Big visual for him. So. And also, Abby
1: Johnson, the uh, movie Unplanned.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Her, when she went back to see an abortion, I think for the first time, even though know, she worked at the front desk. Right. And, uh, and uh, signed people up for abortions in the business end, went back to assist one day and was horrified at what she saw and became very pro life. Right. And great movie.
0: Yeah, that um, is a great movie. Yep, yep. She also um, had a few abortions herself, and I think she even moved up in Planned Parenthood to be an executive director she and did, yes. realized Absolutely. how much money they were making off of abortions. And then, as you said, when she finally witnessed one herself and went into that room, she, she realized, I can't do this anymore. Well, that fills up our first half already. Um, we will be back for the second half of the show, so please stay with us. You're listening to Holy Family Radio 720 WHYF. We'll be right back. in the news show. This is the second half segment, and um, we're going to stay with LifeSite News for now. And we have another um, news item called, it's the leading synod cardinal. This is Cardinal Mario Gretsch. He defends a promotion of LGBT images as part of being a quote-unquote listening church. Now, we know this thing with the synod on synodality has been um, extended now to 2024, Mm-hmm. Um, to take some extra time to really delve into everything and we know it's sort of been a lot of uh ups and downs with hearing this hearing that so this is a leading syn- syn- synodal cardinal who, and a member of the roman curia and he has de- vest- defended the manifestly heretical artwork promoted by the synod on synodality in social media posts saying that the church is a listening church um so this topic was raised by a Vatican journalist during the presentation of the synod's new working document. Um, And in that document, and we've talked a little bit about this before, it calls for more inclusion of the divorced and remarried LGBT groups and promotes a proposes a female diaconate. So um, this is, you know, under the auspices of being more of a listening church, but again, we're not really sure how this is, this is going to go. Um, some of the images that they were talking about that kind of defend the, these divorced and remarried LGBT groups, there's one that says depicts a woman dressed as a priest wearing vestments, including a clerical collar, an alb, and a chasuble. Um, and the, of, of somewhat per- peculiar interest was the fact that on the top of the chasuble, the woman was wearing a stole, which is supposed to be worn underneath the chasuble, a practice often seen in secular televised depictions of Catholic masses. So, um, you know, these images are, we're all, I know it's supposed to be about listening and that's important. Um, but we have to be concerned about what we could be in for if these images are not aligned with, with the the church. There used to be an emphasis on ecclesia docens, Mm -hmm. the
1: teaching church. And as you said, you know, listening is important, but my goodness gracious, uh, The emphasis should be on the proclamation of the word and it's the people that should be listening to the church. I ran across a quote from the Pope uh, in Rio de Janeiro, World Youth Day was a press conference, 2013, August 5th. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: he says, quote, about the problem of communion to those persons in a second union that are divorced, might participate in communion, there is no problem. When they are in a second union, they can't, unquote. That is, receive communion. Hmm. He was very clear about that all the way back then. Uh, there seems to be a deterioration of that view uh, now. So, uh, but uh, along with the other problems, lbtq and um, a female deacons, and uh, sure, uh, yellow yellow flags is not red flags uh, popping up here. So we don't know where this is going. I think the Maybe the delay up to 2024 is a good thing so that, you know, the voices of the sacred tradition and sacred scripture will have a chance to speak. And I hope if they're going to listen, they're going to listen to traditionalists as well. Uh, but that remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, they, they're they also talking about that this the document refers to various groups of people who felt, quote unquote, neglected and excluded and this may even extend to, um, as said, remarried, divorcees, single parents, people in polygamous marriages as wow. well. So we don't know how far the inclusion is going to be. So we, we have to see what's going to be happening with this and continue our prayer that um, while listening is a very good thing, we want to make sure that we're not giving license to things that are not uh, of the Catholic magisterium. Well, I
1: think in this context, those who are upholding the tradition of the faith, the perennial uh, doctrines
0: of the faith are going to feel marginalized and yeah. unlistened to. Right. That's true. That's true. Along the same uh, vein that we were just talking about, there was a woman, this was in Canada, in Ontario, a woman was arrested um, while protesting a quote unquote family appropriate drag queen event at an Ontario church. So this would be a parent. Once again, uh, the parents are protesting. Grown adults who want to dress in lingerie and dance around children, and they're doing it in a church. But the parent was arrested. This doesn't. How, f- how would that be family
1: appropriate?
0: I know. How how would any of it be family appropriate? I mean, I, I don't know where. Uh, they're calling it like a you know, I don't know how you, he would even say family appropriate. And I saw something on uh, Fox a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the Jesse Waters show. And they actually had a a drag queen as a guest on there, which I was like, okay. And that person even said, "Look, I don't advocate any of this for children. I mean, it's one thing for adults, which isn't right either. You know, it's not it's not uh, you know sinful acts, but for children, you know, this is not something that they should be you know exposed to. And this was being held at a church. I mean, even the venue was that it's That's that's scary."
1: I'm glad the parents are standing up to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and of course, at at the risk of being arrested, and we already know that we've talked about that on the show a few times. That the the pro lifers are being, you know, targeted. Uh, some are already been arrested or in prison or trials coming up. Um, that's that's a scary thought that these are just you know pro pro family people and that they're looked at as if they're doing something evil or or parent protesting for a child. I mean. You know, it's the parents first. This is where they're going to learn first, and you know, uh, it, it's within the parents' right to protest that. So the first teachers
1: of the children are the parents. Right. And the parents delegate that to the schools, but uh, under under parental supervision, and uh, certainly the parents can, and they do, will can give input in, into how that is done. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. I also saw a article in the National Catholic Register. This is a little bit of a positive spin. Um, England's health service has put the brakes on transgender treatments for children. So there is a, um, the world's largest child gender clinic, which is called Tavistock Clinic, this is in England, um, has received indep- uh, raised by, concerns raised by an independent review and complaints from patient families um so they they english england's national health service this is, has issued new guidance for the treatment of children with gender dysphoria um, warning that the condition is often a temporary phase and restricting the use of puberty blockers and sex changing hormones but there was a lot of uh backlash to this and the the clinic actually is has closed
1: very wise oh my goodness gracious the medical cooler heads in the medical profession need to need to assert themselves on this on this transgender treatment the both the surgeries and the uh, hormone injections and there was a, a suicide recently in columbia pennsylvania of an un, underage um uh, underage child who oh. was transgender and the, who, who got what he what he or she wanted and that is uh, got got the change done wow and nevertheless later committed suicide even though uh, that person got the, the way that they wanted.
0: Right. And that's so, a local story. And we've talked about that before about, you know, what what's being done for any type of counseling before they go through the procedure. I mean, if they're going to go through with it, what types of things are, are being done, like the the positives and negatives to having it done before it's actually done. So very, that's good, a,
1: very good point. And this is all a reminder of the sanctity of the human body. Right. That Our bodies are, are created by God. And God does not make mistakes in this in this area that you are to stay in the in the body in which you are in which you are born. My seminary classmate uh, Bishop Michael Burbage, Bishop of Arlington, Virginia, did a very good very good statement on transgenderism about a year ago. I have not read it. I want to, and it was very very strong statement against it. So I hope that sticks in people's minds and hearts in Arlington and beyond.
0: Yeah, the, it said that the um, the those the NHS's new guidelines. This is the the guidelines they use in Europe. Come in response to criticism from practitioners who said it rushed people onto medication, and um, this was back in in October, mid October, and that England is one of several European countries that is scaling back access to gender affirming treatments and surgeries on minors. So well, this is good.
1: What it looks like that's that's good to hear.
0: Yeah yeah um okay so the next article that i have is um about an I this is also national catholic register and this is again going along with this shepherd irish priest is reprimanded by a bishop for homilies about sin mm-hmm. so um in his recent sermon this irish priest reflected on sin penitence sainthood and god's forgiveness which would probably be any items that you'd hear in homilies. Um, but R- Bishop Ray Brown of Cary published an apology on November 1st for the quote-unquote the deep upset and hurt caused by the contents of the homilies given over that weekend by Father Sean Sheehy. And um, so... It, it was a very
1: vehement homily. I read excerpts from it. He called uh, transgenderism and other LGBTQ orientations as insane and... Um, uh, therefore, you know, there, I'm sure there were uh, people that were offended, no doubt about it. Right. And we're in this day and age. If people are, if people are offended and get hurt, then you're wrong, and you and you did it wrong. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, and this is similar to Father James Altman in in the United States, where right. he got right. he got disciplined as well for very strong uh, statements uh, regarding, well, abortion, pro life, and so he said publicly, I don't think I would go this far. You cannot be Democrat and Catholic at the same time. And uh, that's what got, I think that's what got him in trouble. Now, I don't know if he's rehabilitated now, if he's back in ministry. He was suspended for a while.
0: Yes, but, I, think he, I think he might still be suspended, but I know he was still doing uh, little talks here and there. Yeah, and blogs and, and uh, online. Yeah, but, yeah. So um, he's not, qu- I don't think he's been reinstated into, you know, parish life yet, but... We do continue to pray for him because he's part of the canceled priests, and yes. he's not the only one um, no. for speaking up the truth. And, and sometimes it can be a little bit, um, I don't want to say harsh, but, you know, depend on how you say it. You, it depends on how you say it. Um, and and it's,
1: you, you really have to finesse it very carefully to get the clarity. I say clarity is charity, uh, or uh, in Latin, caritas, uh, claritas as caritas. Clarity is charity, but but how you say it is very key nowadays. You have to put the L word in a lot, love, uh, that uh, we are speaking in love uh, for others, their salvation and not out of hate.
0: And speaking of love and salvation, it's time for us to finish. So if you would give us a prayer to send us off with, that would be great. Lord God, Heavenly Father, may we
1: continue to enjoy this, this season, of this year. We come up to Thanksgiving Soon, may we have grateful hearts. Keep us always in your grace, and may Almighty God bless you all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the
0: Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Father.